if you're listening to this and you're in a position or in a role that you're not happy in, that you don't feel like you're bringing value, that your boss or your manager keep like telling you, you need to sell more shit, you need to sell more units, you need to do this, and you don't have a sales bone in your body, and it doesn't fire you up to close a deal, you need to, on your own, make, do make a choice. What is up? This is Kevin Lackey with the RFN Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, sitting here on the couch, having a little bit of a lazy day. It's rainy outside. Uh, I've got my buddy with me, Daniel Ariaga. What's going on? Thanks for having me, man. Hey, no problem, dude. I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, we got a great topic to talk about. Uh, want to talk a little bit about uh, leveraging a team around you. Uh, talk about, you know, strengths and weaknesses and and uh, how you uh, really hone in on your strengths and then how you uh, overcome weaknesses uh, by building teams around you or leveraging, you know, people or uh, maybe third-party company, stuff like that to really help you in the areas uh, that you struggle with. Talk about mentorship uh, and peer groups and other things that really can help you uh, grow your business or help you grow in your role uh, faster than, you know, trying to do everything yourself. A lot of people always tend to try to, uh, do everything themselves. And I know early on in business or early on, uh, in a career, uh, that, uh, people try, tend to try to do all these things, you know, like the one man band wearing all these hats, spinning all these plates. But the reality is, uh, for sustainability or longevity or to really master, a role uh, within an organization, uh, that's not the right way to do that. You know, we've talked about in previous podcasts, let's say um, multitasking, right? This is just another version of of multitasking failures, uh, but especially whenever you're trying to spin the plates of things in areas where you're weak and uh, not uh, finding people or tools or other things to help leverage uh, those weaknesses or your strengths to grow a business. And so that's that's really what we're going to talk about. Before we get started, I was going to show you all this book. Uh, this book is from George W. Bush, uh, just because we're talking about mentors and uh, you know other things. I got to see him speak recently to a small group of people and uh, it was just a really awesome opportunity to hear him. He's a really funny guy. It was really great to hear uh, his take on what happened during the 9/11 events, and you know where his leadership came from, and his ability to to decipher the next steps. I mean, when you're talking about our country was under attack. You know, this guy is only good at certain things, and he really had to rely on other people and has had have to had a team built around him in preparation for anything, even as big as that may be. That's on a, a much bigger scale, but, you know, we can be talking about things on a much smaller scale today. Uh, but it was just interesting to, to hear him talk about, you know, where he went to, the people he went to, and all those other things that allowed him to make decisions uh, to move forward with our country. And at the end of the day, what his strength was is his leadership. 
his genuine heart for the country to protect our country and, and his ability to communicate and his leadership role uh, as the commander-in-chief at that time. But he was not uh, the strongest or the best suited to be making decisions on next steps uh, for our military and for our country. And so anyway, if you are listening to the podcast today and you can see the book here uh, through the video, it's called Portraits of Courage, uh, a Commander-in-Chief's Tribute to America's Warriors uh, by George W. Bush. It's a great book. You should go check that out. Um, so anyway, Daniel, thanks for being here again. You bet, man. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. What we're going to talk about today, uh, just chilling here in the office, is you know the two areas that I want to talk about is you know how do you grow a business or uh, lead a team or grow yourself in your role by maximizing your strengths and hiring in the areas of, uh, of your weakness and using mentors. I mean, how important is having, uh, you know, being able to recognize your weaknesses versus your strengths? I know over the years we've worked together for a really long time, and uh, between the both of us, one of the biggest things, one of the most maturing exercises that we've worked together doing over the years is to really compartmentalize each other's strengths and weaknesses yep. and and how to support those. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, how do you think in terms of, uh, you know, you hear different debates, or at least I have people saying, you know, you need to really go work on your weaknesses, go figure it out, you know, whatever. And then you hear, which I agree more with, uh, people talking about, doubling down on your strengths and really focusing on those and using those leveraging those to get move massive movement and hire good people around you uh build a team to help you with your weaknesses yeah so i think that uh you know looking at it from a business perspective one of the first things you have to ask yourself is what are your goals yeah you know um if your goals are to grow and be scalable and um, to, to, you know, build something great that has the opportunity or the ability to impact a lot of people, impact communities, change people's lives, then the leveraging of your strengths and weaknesses has to be a whole lot more important to you. You know, if you're, uh, if you're an entrepreneur that doesn't have the aspirations to build a big business, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But you're going to be able to run the the mom and pop type style operation or a one man show, if you will, yeah, and not have to be as concerned about surrounding yourself with people who can complement the areas where you're not as strong, yeah, and you can survive that way. But if your if your goal is to grow and impact, yeah, you know, a community impact a industry, uh, provide opportunity to much more than just yourself. You have to be hyper aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think there's a balance there. I think that it's important to leverage those without doubt. Yeah. You know, you have to know the things that you're um, naturally just better at, you're naturally gifted with. And that's not to say that you can ignore the areas where you're not as strong. Yeah. But you need to be aware of those things and surrounding yourself with people whose natural drive, their their mental energy, if you will doesn't burn out as quickly in the areas where yours does. Yeah. You need someone to compliment the areas where you 
fall short maybe you do absolutely absolutely a, a, a leadership team in a business is like a puzzle yeah no two are the exact same everybody has to fit together properly and it's it's a fluid changing thing right you know like i think that most people if you look back as you've matured you know through the years as, as you've matured professionally your strengths and weaknesses change a little bit and it's based on what the environment that you're in has forced you to have to spend time focusing on. That's a great point. You know, one of the things, you know, me personally, uh, I used to be a lot more creatively minded than I am nowadays. You know, if I sat down and had to come up with, uh, you know, some content for a, a marketing campaign right now, I'd have to put a lot more thought into it uh, than I would have several years back. That's just because I haven't been exercising that muscle as much over the last. Yeah, because naturally, years. you're you're if you looked at your personality profile, you're a creative person. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, my profile five years ago would have said a whole lot more in that area than it does today. Yeah. So you know, we're we're a product of our environment to a degree. I do believe that people have natural strengths and weaknesses um, that are just ingrained in who they are, you know, and we're just born with that. You know, uh, for anybody who's who's a parent of more than one child out there, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I've I've got a four-year-old son and a two-year-old son, uh, same mother, same father, same household upbringing and everything, and they are just two absolutely, totally different people. Yeah. But, you know, I, I believe that at the same time, we're, we're a product of our environment. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people you can look at that you would say, oh, wow, they're just naturally very talented there. Yeah. But what you don't realize is the endless hours of effort and energy that they've put into what you're seeing on the surface. Yeah. You know, an analogy would be, um, you know, everyone says you look at certain businesses and it was an overnight success. Yeah. Not the case. Never the case. So, I do think that we all inherently have areas where we are stronger. Yeah. Um, and some of that does come quote unquote naturally, but I also believe that we're a product of our environment. And when you surround yourself with people who have a passion for wanting to be good in a particular area that complements the areas where you really want to focus, where your, where your energy comes from, that's, that's the most important balance is what do you want to be good at? What, drives your energy where does where does your mental fuel tank burn slower yeah and surround yourself with people who have interests in other areas that can help you get where you're trying to go yeah because i think one of the things you said is like well a couple things you said you know the mom and pop deal you can survive um and and i don't know for sure if that's even true like you can uh survive for a period of time but if you're a one-man band and you're really good at, let's just say it's it's a landscaping business, and you're really good at keeping your equipment up because you're mechanically inclined and you're capable of getting enough, enough customers to pay your bills and stuff like that, that you don't have to go out and sell and grow and you're not going to market and do all the other things to really grow your business, uh, and you can cut a yard you know, well enough to keep a couple people happy. Um, I mean, that's sustainable in some way, but if you don't have, if your weaknesses in 
managing the schedule of those customers, managing uh, the bank account, the money that comes in, managing the maintenance of your equipment, the timing of it and stuff like that. Those things come around. They seem to always come around and, and bite someone in the rear end. And when you see these small businesses where someone is trying to manage every component of it, they never get a day off. They're always there from start to finish. And even though they're not changing communities a lot, you know, people's life in the community or growing a big business, employing a lot of people, um, I look at that and I just, I feel like that that's a hard way to have to earn a living, right? They're not building um, people around them that can take some of the burdens off them or in the areas that they're not good at, how do they, you know, hire for that or, you know, whatever so that they can you know, just do what they do really well. Um, that's just a little bit of a, you know, you're on a thin layer of ice all the time. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, you're, you're, uh, susceptible to risk. Yeah. You know, susce- yeah. That's right. It's funny that you naturally came up with the landscaping example. Um, I know a guy yeah. who I, I wouldn't even say he runs a landscape company yeah. because he does it all himself. Yeah. But this dude, he's exactly who you just described very mechanically inclined, takes so much pride in what he does. Yeah. If, he, if he comes and does your yard, it's going to be the best job that you've ever had done. But he has no interest in growing the business. Yeah, He doesn't manage the finances very well. Um, he's he's one bad situation away from a disaster. Yeah, And the problem with it is, as you well know, the bad day, the bad days, or the the challenging times. Yeah, they don't come one at a time, and they don't come at the most convenient times. Yeah. So when you get hit, you get hit hard. Yeah. So you know, yeah, w- what you're saying um, is absolutely true, um, and it, you know, it, it it still is in alignment, I think, with what I said a minute ago. It's if you're if you're gonna try to grow at all. Yeah. It's it's not a sustainable plan, and. It, you can get lucky and you can never have competition come in at, at a lower price or having an, a, a competitive advantage. You can get lucky and skate past economical ups and downs. But if you want to grow, yeah, you have to surround yourself with people who can help you achieve the mission. And, you know, what's the, the saying that we use all the time is if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Right. I believe so. that personally and professionally. I've started to really apply that. I've always heard it used in the business world which is you know if your business isn't growing it's dying but i think that's kind of the same thing for people man if you're not growing personally uh you know being stagnant in where you are as a person if you're not growing in your maturity uh your empathy your knowledge your physical strength and mental capacity stuff like that then then you're dying and one of the other things um you know that that's important to what what i want to talk about today is this the reason why you should have uh, people around you to help you with your weaknesses. And and it is because of that, because um, being stagnant or just trying to do, you know, everything yourself, you're not going to be doing any one thing really well, and it's not sustainable. So, you know, being able to come up with a plan, like let's say you're managing 10 people in a business. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You're responsible for 10 people. You're responsible for a project. Um, people try to, with brute force, win and get 
projects over the goal line um, by maximizing, over maximizing their strengths, just overusing their strengths instead of and and ignoring their weaknesses, and then hiring people, the right people around you, like a team of people required to get a job done, just like the NBA. If you have uh, and I don't know how many people are supposed to be on the basketball court because I don't care about stuff like yeah, that. But me neither. Yeah, that's, I would ask you, but I know you don't know either. But let's just say it's seven or eight people on a basketball court at the same time. If they're all really good point guards, you know they're not going to win a game. If they're all really good three-point shooters and none of them are good at layups, none of them are good at this, they're not going to win a game. And so having a team of people who share just the same strengths as you and natural abilities as you – it's like the too many chiefs and not enough Indians, uh, you know, yep. saying it, you know, being able to diversify a team and and surround yourself with people who don't look like you and don't have the same strengths as you and people who uh, can see things differently is so important. You know, I see it on Shark Tank and other things where you have uh, someone with the vision or the inventor or they're a product developer but they don't have a cell skill in their body and they always just end up getting blown out of there with no deal because people are nervous that you, this individual can come up with this great idea, many great ideas. And they're saying, well, how, how many cells have you got? That's a great idea. I can't believe no one's thought of that. How many cells do you have? And then they're like, well, shit, uh, we got no sales or I got $5,000 in sales in the last 10 years. And you're like, well, that's an amazing product. Like, what's wrong? And they can't, they they can explain the product, and you can see them light up the excitement around the development of the product, but they don't have the sales skills ability. They don't know how to go hire a salesperson, a sales manager, uh, to go lead that charge for whatever reason. They they try to uh, hold that very tightly to themselves, or they think because they know the product really well that they're the best person to go sell that product, and that's just not the case. Or you get someone who's really, really great at sales. They can sell something, uh, but they don't know how to market it or they don't know how to communicate. Again, if you're good at, like I've had to learn over the years, you know, where my strengths are and I've had to hire people around me for where my weaknesses are. You know, in the financial side of the business, having a disciplined CFO, you know, I've got uh, Val, who's my assistant that helps keep me really on track from an organization standpoint on uh, maximizing my time, being very effective and efficient with my time. And I know people who just refuse to do that because they think they're good at it and they don't know what they don't know until they have someone around them. You really don't know what you don't know until you have someone around you that can make you better and allows you to go and, and thrive uh, in the areas that you enjoy, like you talked about that mental burn, uh, your fuel tank being emptied quicker by putting a bunch of effort and focus into something that you're not good at, right? Like that's why this is important. Uh, we have a tool through the EOS process uh, called Delegate and Elevate, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, and what's the purpose of that uh, tool? Like how do you use it? What's the pur- what's the end result that you're looking for? And what I- what is that uh, tool that we use? So let's let's talk back and forth a little bit about the delegate and elevate tool. Yeah, um, and you know back up a little bit onto a couple of points you made a minute ago as well. So, you know, I think that the 
the comfortability of of surrounding ourselves with people that are just like us yes um can be the detriment of so many businesses and so many teams that have a lot of potential yeah um you know you use, you're using a, a basketball analogy um you know if everyone was good at three point shots and nobody was good at point guard or, or yeah. whatever you're not going to get anywhere i think that we naturally um we, we naturally uh migrate towards people who are like us yeah you know because it's your friends it's the people you click with the most it's the people that you get along with the best and that can be detrimental to a leadership team in a business. Yeah, not to interrupt, but I think there's two versions of that that people do, especially if they have ego or they're not mature in their process. And so I just want to point this out real quick. You have that version, which you just explained, which are people migrate and they tend to surround themselves with people just like them. You know, it's like you see a flock of girls walking into a restaurant and they're all wearing the same shoes, the yep. same pants, the same. You're like, damn, man, there, there's no, no diversity. There's no new good ideas coming out of those girls. Yep. Uh, and I'm not hating on girls because it's the same way with guys. Um, but the other version that I see that is just as detrimental or more detrimental is a person in a leadership position or a person that's like in their entrepreneurial route that surrounds themselves with yes men. Oh yeah. That all they want is for someone around them to tell them like, oh, they're so smart or agree with everything yeah, the, the, they the say. The genius with a thousand followers. Uh, the genius with a thousand followers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I mean, those are two different versions that I see that are most detrimental to uh, someone trying to be really impactful in their role. So the the path to navigating through that, right? Um, and I think we should go back and talk about the story of how the leadership team at Freedom Power Sports has developed over the years because before before we even realized it, uh, delegating and elevating is what made that happen. So, you know, delegating and elevating is an exercise of breaking your responsibilities into quadrants yeah things that you love to do and that you're really good at things that you like to do and that you're okay at yeah things that you don't mind doing but you're not really that great at it and then things that you hate doing and you suck at it yeah right so you gotta kind of you kind of gotta break your responsibilities or the tasks that you find filling your day into one of those quadrants and then start doing everything that you can to delegate down to somebody else the things that you don't enjoy that much you're not that good at or the things that you flat out don't like doing and you suck at them yeah and when you do that with the intent of finding somebody who naturally compliments you there there are people out there who the things that are in the bottom two boxes for you would be are in the top top two boxes for them they love doing it and they're really good at it yeah you know um by design, you're naturally going to find people whose strengths and and uh, energy and drive is different than yours. They're going to look different than you. They're going to talk and walk different than you. Yeah. And that's where a diversified, highly effective team yeah. can come from. And at this point, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a sports team. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a leadership team, a business team. Um, I believe that those principles apply across the board. Yeah. And so, like... You know, why don't you reflect back a little bit for everyone on how not even not even realizing we hadn't read the book, we hadn't been shown the delegate and elevate tool, but through a, a series of of 
events and um, times in the in the growth of the business, all of a sudden, you know, we had an HR person, we had yeah. a marketing person, we had a CFO, and and now we've got this highly diverse and highly effective leadership team that's running and growing an awesome business. Well, I'll tell you a funny story that will stick with me forever. And uh, this was when we were at store five and six. We had just grown to store five and six. Um, you know, we had gone from zero stores and zero dollars of revenue to approaching five and six stores and about $50 million of revenue. And one of our investment partners, uh, I told them that I had uh, a person that I wanted to bring into town that I had met several years before at a training. And me and this person befriended each other. And, you know, it's funny, in the power sports business, which we are, uh, it's a very stereotypical business. I mean, the people running it, the men, the women, or well, really, the, the it's majority men, uh, the profile of a power sports um, dealership operator, the sales manager, we just kind of look the same and act the same, and we're all into the same things. I mean, that that's probably a little bit of a, a blanket statement, but not really, right? Like when you go to a dealer show, it 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 there's not a lot of diversity. Yeah, they fit into a box. They fit into a box. And so anyway, I had met this person at this training, and she absolutely did not fit into this box, right? First thing, it was a woman. Uh, she was a Hispanic lady. Um, she was from a uh, controller background, accounting background. Uh, but I got to get to know her over time and know her story. And, I mean, she was so far outside of the stereotypical box of what one of our general managers would be. Uh, but I had grown a fondness for her and an appreciation for her experience and her drive and all these things. And so when we were looking to hire for uh, these new stores that we had acquired, I asked her to come into town from California to visit. I said, hey, I'd love for you to come and be a part of the team here. And uh, to do that, you should come and visit the area that we're in. You should come and see the dealerships we're talking about. And we should talk about the opportunity. And I, I decided I wanted to take her by uh, the Trinity offices to meet our financial partners. Yep. Because it was important for me that she see that if she's uprooting her entire family to come here, uh, that she knows that we had a lot of stability in that area and, and all those things, and I just thought it would be great for her to do. And so I took her over to, and introduced her and all this other stuff, and then when we were leaving, one of the partners over there, he came up to me and he said, hey, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. And I was like, well, thank you, you know. I mean, <laughs> what, you know, for what? And he just said, you know, she is just not the stereotypical general manager. I was expecting you to walk in the door with another Kevin Lackey or another Daniel Ariaga, who we get accused of being brothers and twins <laughs> everywhere yeah. we go, or a Sean or a Chase or a James or a whoever, yeah. right? It's like, you know, you brought in someone from a completely different background with a different set of skills, um, you know, a female you know, diversity, bringing someone, uh, you know, Hispanic in, uh, the, you know, being bilingual and all the other things. And he just said, I just thought that was really cool. He, for some reason, I think, 
initially must have assumed that I was just going to surround myself with a bunch of Kevins. Yep. And so I was like, wow, you know, and I've never done that intentionally. You know, I never have ever intentionally just set out to say, I only want this around me. It just kind of worked that way early on in the beginning. So, well, let me jump in real quick yeah. too, because early in the beginning, that's all you needed. Yeah. You needed effective operations driven people just like yourself. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the people just like you came from, right? Yeah. As especially from grow, the skill, changes. especially from the skill set standpoint. And I think that his uh, version of knowing that I was looking at and, uh, and had an appreciation for, not afraid to bring in a you know a female a woman who is really strong in their role like yep. uh you know uh not being scared to do those things to step outside of the box um and knowing that I'm going to bring someone in that has more experience than me in certain areas and that that was like I was not in any way shape or form um uh, what do you call it? Like insecure, intimidated, intimidated, yeah. you know, I mean, and we've gone through this over the years, right? Like we've been asked, like we've been asked like, man, y'all need this and this and this. And like, it's, it, it can be intimidating. I think that's another reason why people don't surround themselves with great people is because they're intimidated that they may lose their role. And I wrote in my notes here, you should be hiring a bunch of people that make you look really good. Like that really is the goal. Yep. Uh, it doesn't take away from your ability to bring, um, value to the business or that you get to just sit back on a beach and have all these great people working hard for you. But at some, there, there's some version of that story in, in there, right. That you're, that you're trying to achieve. Yep. So, um, so, you know, brought this person in and anyway, you know, when he made that comment to me, I, I was kind of thinking like, never have I intentionally not brought in people around me, um, that were smarter than me because I was intimidated. Never done that. I have never not brought in someone um, that might be of a different race or a different sex or from a different background or anything like that because I am insecure or because I I want to keep this box tight. But it just happened that our company was growing so fast to the point that I had to start looking outside of our immediate circle of people that, you know, really had been the core of growing the, the organization and start looking out into people with uh, experience in these certain areas and have a lot more experience than me. You know, it couldn't be me teaching them the way we pow we market in power sports or this is how we do accounting in power sports or this is how I really had to peel back and be open to bringing in someone from outside and to just shorten it up a little bit, I'll jump straight to uh, our our CFO, you know, Tom. Yep. That was like one of the biggest uh, pushes from everyone around me saying, dude, you need a CFO. You need someone that is a financial expert. Uh, and you're not going to find this person that is already in a power sports dealership uh, that is that has the skill sets and the experience that you need because there's just not many dealership groups out there our size. And I kept being like resistant to that. I, I thought, no, they have to know the management system that we, you know, that we use. They have to have an understanding of our process and our inventory and 
you know, Lightspeed does everything backwards. It's such a pain in the ass. Debits are credits and credits are debits, and it's just an archaic system. And so there was all these reasons as to why I didn't think they would come in, uh, that they would I would want to bring in someone that didn't have this experience. And then I was also so blind to the fact that that person, that type of person with that skill set, without any experience in the power sports business, was not going to come in and fit culturally with us. Yep. Like they were going to yeah, come in. We talked in. about that a lot. We talked about it over and over and over. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we're just normal dudes. We like to ride motorcycles. You know, we, you, I mean, we say stupid things and uh, we really have a passion for this business. So someone else can't come in here and do that. Well, the bottom line is, is that was completely wrong, right? Absolutely. We're, we're here now three plus years later. And when Tom, our CFO, started, he knew zero about power sports. He'd never heard of our dealer management system. He didn't know how debits and credits worked. He didn't know these. But what he did understand really well was financial accounting, uh, best practices, gap accounting. Um, You know, he came in and started looking at what we did and said, hey, you know, I know that y'all do it this way, but what if we looked at it this way? And you know, as we were open to change and just kind of knowing that this was a weakness of ours, of the core group in general, um, empowered him and gave him the leeway to come in and help, you know, uh, bring his, what would you say, his expertise and experience and knowledge. And not only was he able to come in here and do that and, and has made things dramatically better, um, the way we close, our month end closes, the reporting, the financial reporting, all of our external partners that, you know, require communication. Um, I mean, we would have really, really had a hard time up to this point. Um, I don't know that the wheels would have come off the bus, but maybe. Yeah, one or two of them probably would yeah, have. Yeah, <laughs> we would have had a couple flats for sure. <clears throat> And we would have been we would have been struggling and running and, and 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 those energy tanks would have been completely emptied, and we would have been focusing on the entirely wrong things, uh, trying to make that you know just to hobble along if we didn't have him in that role. And then most importantly, on top of that, we were completely wrong about his ability to come in here and integrate with our culture and start to have a passion for power sports and what he's doing. And now I've been able to completely let go of that side of the business that I held on to tightly forever, even though it wasn't my uh, it it wasn't my expertise. Um, I was capable in some ways, not as capable as I needed, but I held it so tightly. And today I've like ninety nine percent let go. Yeah. We don't have to make the board packages anymore. Yeah, we don't. We don't make board packages. We <laughs> and don't. I wasn't we were, good at it. And yeah, you the same thing, right? You and I both were bogged down for four years in things that we're not great at, things that mentally didn't uh, stem our, you know, or uh, the excitement and the passion and fuel like our desire to go do these things. And I think we both were burnt out. For a long time. Absolutely. You know, not not burnt out in like, you know, ready to give up or not enjoying it, yeah. but but burning energy on things that, you know, took it took ten times as much effort for me to 
try to build spreadsheets and put together slides for a board deck. Yeah. It took me 10 times as much energy and 10 times as much literal time yeah. as it does somebody who is good at that because they enjoy it and they've practiced it a ton, right? Yeah, and it took away from where your strengths are from leadership, management, operational excellence, being in the dealerships, con- connecting with people. Like, it, it took away from that because you were over here doing these other things. Absolutely. So that, that that's the best examples I can give, you know, or just like a couple examples as to... And that's just... that Those are just like little tiny uh, blurbs in our journey within freedom around the different people that we've hired over time to... Uh, to really make us better, to put in place of our weaknesses, right? Yeah, that, that's one sixth of the story. That's one sixth of the story. You know, so. So, what do you think? Uh, how does a person. So, this is an interesting question, uh, in my opinion. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm interesting. I don't know. But uh, I think. The most I'm, interesting uh, yeah, man in the world. I think I'm super interesting. <laughs> uh, but the question is. Uh, or, or the statement that I made on my notes, which is, how does a person uh, get past their ego and get past this place where they're just like, they accept that they're not good at something? Like, there's a lot of people that I've met in my lifetime that they really want to be good at this. They really want to be good at something. Um, and damn it, they're just not like, I don't care how many books they read, how many times they practice in the mirror, how many classes they go to. And I'm not saying all that's bad, um, to try to improve areas that are important to you. Cause I don't want to shoot someone down, uh, that, that really has a dream or desire to do something. Uh, but it, sometimes you have to determine in most circumstances, there comes a point when you have to make that determination and live with it and own it and be okay with it. And then, you know, hire those people around you like we talked about and focus on your strengths. You know, it's different than someone who just who is bound and determined to be funny and they're going to be a comedian or an actor and they're shy, they don't communicate well, they don't have a, you know, they don't have a dramatic bone in their body or they don't have anything around being a comedian, the sentencing and the creativity, but they just will work their ass off for 25 years. And, and the point zero 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 one you know, percent um, who do that may end up becoming the next big movie star or the next most famous comedian. But talking about uh, the real world, and talking about business principles in general, how do you, what advice do you give or what tools can someone use to come to the conclusion that, you know what, it's time for me to move past this and hire people around me that can help me in the areas where I'm just weak? You know, I think the the easiest way to answer that question single-pointedly is you got to check your ego, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you have to you have to understand the way that the word ego is being used. It's not being used in the sense that you're cocky or arrogant or anything like that. You yeah, know, ego is just your pride, yeah. right? And you know, there's a 
there's a concept called rugged individualism. Okay. That they talk about in in several different books. Um, I think Jim Collins talks about it a whole lot. But they say that that men actually struggle with this a lot more than women. And as we mature, you know, into our 20s and we become functioning adults, you know, aging into our, our 30s and then into our 40s, it just takes guys a whole lot longer to let go of that that masculinity. I can yeah. do everything. I don't need help with anything. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's that a real rug. downfall for people. Oh, it is dude. Um, I mean, I still struggle with it, right? Like, yeah. um, but that, that's what they call rugged individualism. And the sooner that you can wrap your head around that, um, it's, it's not a negative thing for you to need help with something to yeah. leverage a network to understand. And this is where mentors come into the picture, yeah. right? To leverage the people around you and achieve more through a th- through multiple people's efforts as opposed to just trying to do it yourself because you're inevitably going to come into the the things there that you know you're just not as good at it as somebody else is. Yeah. It's going to take you longer, it's going to burn more of your energy, it's going to take you away from something that you are really good at. Yep. And just let somebody else do it. You you have nothing to prove. Yep. And uh you know, I've I've struggled with that myself whenever I became aware of the concept and kind of had that light bulb go off like oh my god yeah you know being aware of it has helped me begin to mature out of it and I see it a lot within our business you know I mean a lot of the people who are in high level uh, leadership positions within our company are mid to late 20s early 30s age males who are that high type a personality you know, strong, strong willed. And th- those are the people that struggle the most with that rugged individualism. Yeah. You know? um, sometimes a, you just got to say, I'm just going to ask for help. Yeah. You know, it's a great point. It, it, it has been. So I will say this just to, you know, be a little bit transparent and, and uh, you know, pull back the curtains on myself. <clears throat> I struggle with it and have struggled with it my whole life. And it's, it's been more about insecurity than ego for me i have never had a i mean probably some ego involved or pride where it's like i don't want to do this or can't do this or whatever else there's probably some of that but for me personally insecurities get more people than the pride i know some very genuine people who are they take pride in what they do but, dude, their insecurities around being able to have to ask for help or to be able to, um, uh, you know, the need for help, uh, to the insecurity of being able to say, like, I'm just not fucking good at this, yeah. and I don't care. Like, it, it's like they're insecure to do that. I've learned to, in the last couple of years, like, really good just to be able to, like, it's not something I'm good at. I don't fucking care. I don't want to be good at that. And I need other people to be good at that. And I'm going to go over here and be really good at what I do. Yep. It's like the, uh, <clears throat> it's like, you know, before GPS, the, the old pun was always the, the, the guy who just refuses to stop and ask for directions. Yeah. yeah. I can find it. Yeah. I don't need no help. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know, yeah, what you're talking about, the insecurity, um, maybe even more so than the ego is, when you get comfortable 
with being vulnerable, yeah, comfortable with being uncomfortable, the the growth that you can experience as an individual there. I mean, just think about in in some of our leadership team sessions. Yeah, you know, you've cried. Oh, dude, I've cried. I've gotten emotional, as has everybody else on the team. Yeah. You know, um, we had to be comfortable enough in our own skin and comfortable enough in the people who we've surrounded ourselves you with. You have to trust to, the people around yeah, you. Yeah, vul- you know, you ha- you're vulnerable at that point. But that's where the growth comes from. It absolutely is. Man, that that that, that is actually really powerful. I'm so glad that you're here talking um, and for the conversation to get into where we're at, you know. I don't know if we're going to have like a kumbaya or something. You know, or, <laughs> we can. Yeah, no masculinity. I'm comfortable, and, dude. I mean, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but it really is important, man. Like when you talk about these things, a lot of the times people don't build a team around them, around their weaknesses because they can't afford to. They're in the early stages um, or because their ego or because they're insecure or they can't let go. Uh, they're controlling. And dude, those are all bad reasons you know the only one that's respectable in any way shape or form is when you're starting out and you just can't afford to do that but you got to figure out how to you better figure out how to uh, leverage relationships with people that can help you uh that maybe don't cost you money there's always a free way there's always a free way always yeah whether it's the internet whether it's a friend whether it's a relationship all you have to do is start asking right yep so you have to ask Dude, I don't know how to do this. I need help. Do you know anybody who can help me put together this? Do you know anybody who can help me? And maybe you don't not get to do any of the work, but if you only have to do 50% of the work or 75% of the work or 25% of the work until you can get to a point that you can hire other people to do the things that you're not good at, then that's what you need to go do. Yeah, I mean, in the early stages, you might still do 100% of the work, but you found out a way to do it quicker and yeah. easier, Yeah, you know? Man, so why, why don't we talk a little bit? I, I think this is a great time to talk about mentors, you know, because that's the beginning stages of learning how to grow and expand beyond who you are at that point in time. Is yeah, that's where mentors come into place. And you know, uh, I've had a couple of conversations here recently with individuals who they're struggling with finding that that mentor or that peer group, yeah. you know, and. In my opinion, it's 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 not a unicorn, dude. It's yeah. People overthink it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they think that they come out with like a light and they and music. Quiet, yeah, oh. music and you <laughs> are going to be better. Um, I'm going to mentor you. It's not that. It's not that. Hey, before we go into mentorship, though, real quick, I had a point that I wanted to to just bring up that I think is really important. What if you're on the opposite side of this, you know, not building a team? What if you're on a team and someone's asking you and pushing you and constantly, uh, you know, having you do stuff that is not your strength? It is like it's an area of weakness for you. And so you get browbeat for not doing a good job or it takes you longer. Like it's like asking someone in our organization who doesn't even know how to do, you know, a basic Excel document and then say, I need you to get me this. Re- I need you to build me this report. I need you to do this. Like, how does a person uh, gather the confidence or know when they're in an area, in a role 
that they're being pushed to do something um, and it's just not, they're not going to grow. They're not going to win in where they're at. And it's time for them to find a new job or to talk to their boss. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, so <clears throat> that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you I've know, got a fucking great question. Yeah, dude. <laughs> hey, and the, the answer is actually easy, but it's, it's, it can be difficult to deal with. You know, you hear me say all the time, there's a difference between simple yeah. and easy. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where I would say that you're just not in the right seat. Yeah. If, if the tasks and the responsibilities of the seat that you're in are things that you're just not good at. Yep. You burn you out. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're not going to achieve what you're capable of. And a lot of people, you know, they'll struggle with that because it may mean that you need to find a new job. Yeah. It may mean that you can't stay where you are, but you got to think about it like this too. The longer you stay there, yeah. the less happy you're going to be, the The more delay you're putting into, you know, getting into something that you can thrive and enjoy. Yep. Um, so I would say that if you are somebody who is in that position right now, one, you should see if there's, if you, if you've got your blinders on and you're just not utilizing or leveraging the people around you yeah. to do it. There's so many people that are in management positions that they put all the rocks in their backpack. Yeah. And you're like, dude, just delegate that shit to somebody else. Yep. Like it's your job to get it done. Yeah. You don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. Delegate it. Yeah. So I would say first, just ask yourself that, do you have the blinders on? Do you think you're supposed to be the one who physically does it? But it really doesn't matter. You just need to get it, get it across the goal line. Yeah. Um, you know, it maybe you're not in a management position. Maybe it's a little bit more of a, a production level type position. And what you're being asked to do, you have to do. Yeah. If that's something that's not good for you, then it's not good for the team. Yeah. And I would say you you have to check your ego again. You have to go to your direct reporter, your supervisor, and just explain, hey man, I'm not doing this team a good service by doing this i'm not good at it yeah um i'm happy to continue to do it but i need training and i need support um i do feel like i have great strengths in this area this area and this area yeah you know i want you to be successful as my leader um is there a, a place where i can better serve you so my point last point before we go into mentorship and why it's important is that i would say statistically and i have no proof of this um, so it's just literally coming out of the air, but it's my, it's my gut feeling. And it is that probably 75% of people put in a management position or a leadership role or an entrepreneur who has, you know, built a business out of grit and hard work and all those other things have the skill set and the training necessary to make sure that you're the right person in the right seat and that you have the skill sets to thrive in the role that you're doing. And if you're listening to this and you're in a position or in a role that you're not happy in, that you don't feel like you're bringing value, that your boss or your manager <clears throat> keep like telling you, you need to sell more shit. You need to sell more units. You need to do this. And you don't have a sales bone in your body and it doesn't fire you up to close a deal, you need to, on your own, 
do make a choice because if you're waiting for the 25% of managers or leaders, which I think that probably is still too high, to be honest, out there to really sit down with you and do the tools with you and really talk to you and spend the time with you to make sure that you're in the right seat, that you're in the right role, that you have the right that that your passion is towards what it is you're doing. They're not coming. Nope. They're not coming. They're going to wear you out until you burn out and leave, uh, and you're not going to have done them a good job and you're not going to have done yourself a good job and you're going to have had a negative experience you're going to think they're a shitty boss that was a shitty job i don't like this i hate this type of work um or whatever you're gonna that kind of experience is going to be negative for everybody so i would just tell you you need to be have to have good communication with your leadership or your management or whoever you report to um if you feel like that you might not like if you're never gonna win you're just like man i can't win in this role yeah if if you don't receive it up front you're not gonna get it most likely the the yeah. training and the tools to to succeed so <clears throat> two points i'd like to make before we transition so what you're talking about if if you're being told that there was a perfect example the you know you just need to sell more shit yeah right? if you're not being told how to sell more and why the the things that you're being asked to do are important? Yeah, that's a red flag that you do not have a good leader. You do not have a good manager, and that's probably something you're just going to have to deal with. You're, yeah, you're going to have to find the answers on your own. But what if a person does give them all the tools and gives them all the you know like tells them why they need to sell more and gives them the training and then they just don't? But that leader's not capable of recognizing because they don't have the tools necessarily to say like dude you know little johnny i i really wish you could sell this many units i wish you could do this i wish you could make this amount of money but you know to be honest like you just it's it's not natural like you can work really 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 hard to overcome this but you're burnt out at the end of the day or you don't get excited about closing deals, or you're not driven by these fundamental things that the ideal or the you know the the majority of people in this role, right? Like I can never be an engineer. I can never sit there and do that all day. You know, an engineer probably didn't don't want to get in front of people and talk and communicate and try to sell them something and close them down and all this other stuff. There's personality traits, and that my point around that was is. Even if you're getting all those things, you have the perfect manager from a coaching and all that stuff, but they don't recognize, they don't know when to tell you, like, dude, this probably isn't the right place for you. Yeah. You should be, people should be thinking about that on their own. That doesn't mean give up. I don't want people to give up prematurely. I even wrote here in a note, don't confuse weakness or weaknesses with inexperience. Uh, give yourself and others the tools and training to be successful, Successful, but you must know when someone simply does not have the skill sets required for the job. And we're talking about, like, from the leadership side that you need to be able to do this. But if you're listening to this, you should be thinking about that, too. If you're miserable where you're at, if you're burned out, and if you're overloaded and someone's putting stuff, you know, 
you know, bricks and bricks and bricks on your shoulder to do a good job and to kick ass in, in a role, and like you're just barely getting by to get the bare minimum to them, you should be thinking on your own, yeah. maybe this isn't right for me. Every single person, like if you're listening to this, um, or if you're not listening to this, it still applies. <laughs> it applies. You are capable of being in the top 10% of high performers of something. Yes. Of something yes. that aligns with who you are and what your skill set is. And if that's not the position that you're in right now, maybe you just need to ask for help. You know, yeah. like what we were talking about a minute ago. It's all about being comfortable. Like, I'm capable of being a high performer whenever I find the right thing for me. Yeah. If you know that you're not doing an, a bang-up job in your current position... So does your boss. Yeah. They're probably uh, hesitating dealing with it. And it will behoove both of you for you to go to your boss and say, hey, look, man, I know I'm not producing at super high levels. I want to produce at super high levels. I'm sure you want me to also. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, what do I need to get better at? Yeah. What about do, this is not working for me? Yeah. You know, it, do you think that this is the right seat for me? Is there somewhere else where I can better serve the company. Yeah. How uh, many times have we seen an employee go from one position to another where they were just barely hanging on by a thread and then they thrived in that other position? We've seen that a lot. We've seen it a lot. You know, I don't know how often, if ever, the employee has been the one who has yeah, yeah, brought yeah, it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we've continued to to learn and, and strive to perfect the right person in the right seat, you yeah. know, skill set alignment and things of that nature. Um, we do, we, we make moves, you yeah. know, uh, and you can we, see we, people thrive. Yeah. We, we jokingly call it the freedom shuffle, right? But, yeah. um, when you make the right move with the right person, you can, you can, you can take somebody from a struggling environment to a thriving environment Yeah, just by putting them in the right place. Yeah. And, and almost same environment, just different role, different yeah. responsibilities, exactly. right? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about mentorship. Uh, one of the things that I think that is really important for people to help um, excel and, ex and and to achieve really, you know, these this podcast is around winning. It's around development. It's around uh, information and knowledge, just sharing that. And so this podcast in particular was about being able to, you know, overcome your weaknesses by not being afraid or insecure to hire people who have strengths in areas that you don't, uh, but also to talk about uh, mentors and mentorship and to talk about peer groups or networking groups uh, that can help you be better. Um, you know, I know for me personally, I'm not a big networker, quote unquote. You know, I don't go seek out. I've always saw, saw that as something cheesy where people all meet and mingle and like, hey, what do you do? And yeah, we're all in the same network. But by God, every time I go do this stuff, um, because I'm forced to for some reason, it's like I always benefit from it. Yep. Like it's it can be tasking or wearing. Uh, some people live to do it. You know, the free hors d'oeuvres and the little cocktails and they love to be seen. And uh, I kind of hate all that shit, uh, but I do like people. Um, and so I don't necessarily enjoy the process. And my wife says I'm really bad at this. Like I ignore so many opportunities. 
But every time that I do go be a part of um, like a networking type deal, I, I really benefit from it. So like what, how important do you think it is to have a mentor? What does mentor, what does a mentor look like? Um, what are the different versions of mentorship in today's world? Uh, how important is uh, like a peer group or something like that? And, uh, and networking also for young people or any individual, uh, young or old, that is just trying to grow personally, grow their business, learn, you know, all those things. I think it's critical, but I think that you can find your own path to that. And, and so what I mean by that is mentorship or a mentor, it doesn't have to mean the same thing for everyone. Yep. So I had a really great conversation with somebody uh, about this who was was asking for my advice or guidance uh, on mentors uh-huh. um, just last week. So um, first, let me let me just share my own experience with it. Right, like um, I'm not the most uh, outgoing, sociable. Um, you know, just very talkative person, yeah. you know, um, when you get to unless know, you've had a couple beers, unless I've had a couple beers, that's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I, I come across on the surface as, as kind of serious or intense, I yeah. think a little rigid. Yeah. A little rigid. Um, which, which is, it's a good quality. Can yeah. Be. Yeah. You know, it is, but, um, I'm not the, in, in a big social environment, you know, I'm not real comfortable myself, like just walking around and sparking up conversations yeah. with people and creating relationships and stuff like that. Um, I warm up a little bit slower, you yeah. know, um, but that's just who I am. And that, that can inhibit your ability to make those relationships or make those connections as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but, but I have found what works for me and I do have, deeper relationships probably with fewer people yeah um and i've i've uh i believe that you can be your own mentor in a way through knowledge and understanding like reading books listening to audiobooks understanding you know what what would i want from a mentor what do i want to understand what questions do i seek answers to um and just equipping yourself with knowledge yeah um you know Part of the conversation I had with the the person I was talking about a minute ago is really how how we transitioned into into this part of the conversation. A mentor is not this you know glowing being or, or unicorn of a person that comes rising up you yeah know, in your path and and is the answer to all of your questions. Yeah, it's little pieces of knowledge and guidance that you can get from everyone around you yeah. in a, in a degree it's seeking out how you can get better in a particular area where you want to get better and finding somebody who has a strength in that area and and tapping into that um one of the things we talked about a moment ago was that the whole rugged individualism concept yeah. you have to mature out of that before you can really leverage and and develop relationships with mentors one of the one of the things that I that I stumbled upon in my conversation with this person I was talking about um, is one of the best areas I believe you can find a mentor that can help you grow in where you're at is 
perfecting where you're at. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, we, we think of mentors as you have to surround yourself by people who are at the next level. You have to surround yourself by people who are where you aspire to be. And that's absolutely true yeah. because you can, you can learn a lot of the way that people think, the way that people act, the, the values that, that successful people place in different areas of their life. Yeah. Uh, you can learn a whole lot from being exposed to those types of things. But a lot of times what gets you there is not focusing on, you know, some far off goal that you don't, you haven't achieved yet, but focusing on where you are right now. So yeah. just think about if, if you say, before I focus on something that I don't have yet, let me focus on what I do have. Here's, mm-hmm. here's my current role. Yeah. Where am I not achieving near perfection in my current role? Where yeah. where am I performing at a seven out of ten, and I should be at a, the a, a nine or better out of ten? Yeah, because then what you got to do is you got to go seek out somebody who can help you perfect a skill that you are a responsibility that you have already got. Yeah, you go find somebody who can help you. You know, improve on your sales pitch. Help somebody who can help find somebody who can help you tighten up the efficiency of a particular measure in the department that you're responsible for. And inevitably, you're going to find somebody who has more experience, a stronger skill set in that particular area and probably in other areas that will complement you. And bam, that's a mentor. Yeah. It's a mentor to a certain part of your life. Yeah. But that's where the the networking comes from, right? You have to have uh, probably multiple sources. Some of it may be books. Some of it may be actual people. Some of it may be um, a peer group yeah. where you get fuel or insight or, or aspiration knowledge for areas of your life that you're interested in growing. Yeah. So I'll read what this, this is, uh, this is the definition of a mentor, that I found. Uh, so it's a little, it'd be a little bit different than, than what you said, which I think everything you said is true. Um, but I, I do believe that it is important for people, depending on the cycle in which they're in their life, what phase they're in in life. Like, yeah. I don't think every 20 year old needs a mentor. You no. just need to learn to stop pissing on the seat of the toilet. Like, <laughs> uh, and, at 25, you probably just need to be working your ass off. Like, right. You need to be learning and listening and growing. Um, so I, I actually don't have the exact, uh, time in which someone should be seeking a mentor, but I would imagine it's in the late twenties is what I wish I would have done. Uh, but I didn't and I've turned out okay. Um, but you know, in your thirties, you know, may early thirties, maybe. Uh, but it's it, a mentor is a wise and trusted counselor or teacher, an influential an influential senior sponsor or supporter. And although I do believe that a big portion of mentorship and guidance and information and who you aspire to be and watching other people and learning like that's. I definitely don't want to be like that, which is just as important as I would. I do want to be like that. Um, that having someone that you can visit with that has no financial gain uh, or loss to 
you know, what you do in your business life. Um, but they're invested in you genuinely to see you succeed, that can be candid with you, that have had the experiences that you can learn from. They can, they can shorten some of those hard lessons learned in life. Um, they can tell you when you're being, you know, selfish, or they can tell you when you're being distracted, uh, when they can recenter you back on the things that are important to you. Uh, I really do believe that that's important. It's almost like an accountability partner, um, that if you can find that, and I have some of that, uh, I have some of it through a group, and it's more of accountability partners through my YPO group, and I get mentorship from it, kind of like what you were talking about. Uh, and I've tried to at times enlist a, a, a set mentor, someone who I say, man, I want you to mentor me, uh, but I get distracted and, and I don't have a lot of great follow-through with that. But I know the value that having a person, an individual that is your senior, that is a genuine person that wants to give you the guidance and give you the, you know, you know, help remind you of uh, where you set your boundaries and what's important to you. That's it's it's hard to find, uh, but it is it can be really important. Yeah, I agree completely. <clears throat> I think that's where. Uh, that's, that's what I was saying a minute ago at, at the same time. Um, you, you just don't get hung up on that. A mentor is a single person who has all of the answers to everything. Yeah. Yeah. They you don't. know, you may have one person who you seek, uh, advice or guidance in your personal life yeah, spiritually, or spiritually or, or your marriage or, yeah. or parenthood yeah um but that person may not be able to help you at all in your guidance in your professional life you know, how yeah. to be a great leader how to manage how to hold people accountable better so you kind of have to have this 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 um toolbox if you will yeah, of, of of sources of mentorship and it may not always be a personal relationship with a person yeah it's a great it's, it's a great point as you continue to grow yeah you there will be less and less people who have achieved more than you have. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And, and people that are willing to take the time and make the time to do it. Exactly. Man, dude, I think that's so powerful. I need like 50 mentors because, <laughs> uh, you know, I've got so many problems. And so I need mentors in all these different areas. Um, Probably not really. I'm saying that facetiously. But, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have one guy who does bring a lot of that uh all in one mm -hmm. uh, around the spiritual, around the the marriage, around the business, around being a father, your community, and he's like that. He's that unicorn type of guy. Um, unfortunately, because he is that, uh, his time is very valuable. It's spread thin uh, because other people are seeking him, and he's just a busy guy. And I'm busy, and I don't make enough time or make it important enough to go um, to, to, to utilize that person in my life as a mentor for a lot of those things. And, uh, and I wish I would, this is actually, this podcast is going to challenge me to, to notate that and make it an important that, that how important this mentorship can be. You are absolutely right in what you're saying. 
I just happen to have fortunately met someone who is a senior to me. Uh, they do have all those experiences and done things that I want to do. And they do bring all the components. Because if you find someone who is a good mentor in your business, and, but I will say this too, now that I'm just, it's coming out of my mouth is, um, if you're seeking mentorship from someone, if they don't have the skill sets to help you in certain areas, that's okay. Like if they don't have the skill set to help you in your marriage, then that's okay. But people that you're seeking mentorship, they should be in alignment with who you are, with what you want out of life. Like you don't want business coaching from a guy that's the best business coach or they can mentor you in business uh, but they beat their wife or they cheat on their wife or they do drugs, right? I mean, Absolutely. obviously you know that, but it's like, you know, so making making sure that you're aligning yourself with people that if they, or, or content or, you know, YouTube channels or books that align with everything that's important to you, I do think that that has uh, an overall impact on you. It does absolutely. Everything is interconnected at some point. Yeah, you know something that that you mentioned a minute ago. I think we should clarify for for people who are listening is yes, you have been fortunate enough to to cross paths with that person who who really could be a an individual personal mentor in almost everything that's important to you. Yeah. Right? But how old were you when you met that person? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, shit. We're gonna we're gonna date you real quick here. I know. I want to say twenty eight because I don't want to tell my age, but no, I was probably like 35, 36. Yeah. So you know, twenty one year olds don't just run around finding those kind of guys. You don't. You yeah. don't. And I, if I had had guessed, I would have thought that I think I know who you're talking about, and I thought you'd only known him for like two or three years. Yeah. So maybe so. Well, it's like three or four years. Um. Either which way, like in or beyond your mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's beyond my mid thirties. Yeah. It, it's thirty five to thirty six, something like that. Yeah, and I think I think where uh, maybe a lot of people, I'm still just holding on to not wanting to be. Yeah, I, I'm not going to press any harder yeah. on, on making you tell us. <laughs> uh, but I think that where a lot of us lose our way um, is that you get to, you get to that age right you get to the your 30s and you get to your mid 30s and you're like man you know like I, I i'm past my ability of being able to seek out mentors yeah that's and that's ridiculous. just not the case Dude, man people at 50 need mentors yeah yeah people at 60 need mentors of the next stages in life and exactly. what you do all right man listen we're gonna wrap up here but i i do want to just make one last point that is i've talked about in the past you know, the to-do list and the, the to-don't list or, you know, whatever um, is just as important. And having a mentor and someone or in, information and content and all these things that apply to your life that's important to you. If you say being a good dad is important to you, if you say, um, you know, achieving these business targets are important to you, if you say having your marriage, doing these things are important, your spiritual relationship are important to you, and you're seeking information, content, people for advice or guidance and all that kind of shit. Um, the to don't are the, you know, the, the having the wrong people or the wrong content or the wrong uh, messages that you're in front of 
absolutely uh, deter you. They they deter you. They they take away from your ability to get where you want to go. So if you say that it's these these things are important to you and you're looking for mentorship or information or knowledge, um, and you're you're listening to bullshit, you're taking in garbage information, um, you're you know not really truly seeking that information. Don't 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 kid yourself. Don't don't be pissed when things don't come together for you when you were, um, you know, self deceiving. Right? It's this art of self deception. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but you know, don't don't say you're looking for something and can't find it, or on the you know the opposite end of that, you know, you're you're taking in good information, doing these things, but you're if you're feeding in as much garbage as you are. Uh, trying to seek out good information from like mentorship areas, whatever uh, whatever platform that may be. Uh, don't be mad at anybody but yourself whenever you don't get there. Yeah, I mean, you're saying you got to filter out the bullshit, right? Yeah, you got to filter out the bullshit, and you just don't don't overthink your sources of mentorship. This podcast in itself is a form of mentorship for people, and. You know, we should probably figure out how to incorporate into the RFN website other resources that people can use, like suggested reading lists, suggested listens. Anybody who wants to, I'm sure, is welcome to direct message you. I'm happy to share anybody who wants to ask me what my recommendations for sources of guidance in different areas would be. But you have to filter out the bullshit that's what you're talking so about this podcast is this is exactly what this is for and i really appreciate you saying that daniel um you know it's funny because you know i got a website i think i've been, i know that we do right dennis we got a kevin lackey website <laughs> uh i haven't even gone on there um i'm not utilizing it it's like a lot of things that start in its infancy and it will build over time i'm just trying to get this podcast platform like really dialed and why are we using it you know this is a form of mentorship this is information for people who want it yep if if you don't want it if you don't like it then tune the fuck out um that's okay um because i'm not getting paid to do this and i'm not trying to become famous from doing this this is something that i just truly enjoy and so daniel uh what is your instagram like if someone want to direct message you as well say dude like you know you have been working side by side with me for 18 years or something like that. Yep. You're in your early 30s. 30, yeah, 34. 34. So it's truly, truly early 30s. He don't have to lie about it. Um, and he's overseeing, you know, a lot of people, a lot of processes, a lot of responsibility related to a big business. Uh, he's one of the most sincere and hardworking people I've ever met. And I know he struggles in his own areas, and he is growing and maturing at a very fast rate um, because the environment that he's in, because the desire to be the very best that he can be, and he's got a lot to give. So if you do want to uh, reach out to Daniel and ask any questions, where can they do that? Okay, so it's uh, M Daniel A 85 So my name is Mark Daniel Ariaga. Yep. So M as in Mark, D A N I E L A as in Ariaga. Yep. Eight five. Okay. So that's the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, I guess, is 
Daniel, Daniel Ariaga. Yeah, neither one of us are on those things, so, <laughs> so he might not answer you for a month. So don't be offended. It's just because we're busy doing other things, right? That's, uh, that's it. Um, and so. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I want to first thank you again for tuning in. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. This podcast and this topic went 100 times better as a result of you being here and talking through it with me than if I was just going to just kind of, you know, throw out there uh, my thoughts around these subjects. Thank you. Yeah, no, I super appreciate it. And then the other thing is, is I want you to please hit the subscribe button on uh, whatever device, whatever platform you're listening to this, please leave a comment and please tell a friend. If you enjoy this, please tell someone and have them go look, uh, you know, go search the RFN podcast by Kevin Lackey, have them download the episodes, have them subscribe to the channel and just listen. And then hopefully they will be able to tell a friend. That's the way this thing grows. That's how people get to the podcast and get the information. That's going to motivate me to be able to do more of these. And, uh, Daniel, I look forward to uh, the next episode. Don't know what the topic will be, uh, but I'm sure that uh, we'll have you back here very soon. So, Just give me more than two minutes' notice next time. Yeah, I will. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is what we do, the RFN, dude. That right makes it, fucking now. It makes it real and raw. Yeah, I said, hey, Daniel, um, you want to do a podcast? He's like, yeah. I was like, RFN. He's like, no, I know. That's the podcast. He's like, no, literally, right fucking now, I need you to come over here and do this podcast <laughs> with me. All right. Well, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Go get things done. Go get shit done. Do it RFN. And thank you so much for listening.